Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Thank you, Tim and Emily. Good morning. Scott Peck began his best-selling book with these three words. Life is difficult. Would you agree? Several years ago, my wife and I became friends of a Native American man named Ray Buckley. Ray, we found, was the most gentle, loving, kind individual. In his early 30s, he was diagnosed with cancer. And about that same time, his wife and his young son were tragically killed in an automobile accident by a drunk driver. It makes you ask the question, why God? Why to an individual like Ray? He's such a good, good, gentle, humble, God-loving person. Philip Yancey, in his classic book, Disappointment with God, says this. Disappointment with God happens when our expectations exceed our experience. Disappointment with God comes when we thought God was going to be fair, but in actuality, the world was horribly unfair. When we thought that God would intervene, but he seemingly wasn't around when he didn't run the world as we expected him to. And I want to begin this message today right off the bat by saying this is not going to be a feel-good sermon. Probably not going to make one of Pastor Dennis's top 10 lists, at least in my own mind. Because in this message today, we are still dealing with tough questions. I'm not going to be able to provide easy answers. You're not going to hear a lot of token formulas for today or to give you three points on how to live better and put a poem at the end. You're not going to hear perhaps sayings like, you can turn your hurts into halos, your scars into stars, your pain into gain. Today, we're going to turn lemons into lemonade (laughs) because you know and I know that life is not that easy. Life is much more complex than all that. In fact, the truth is, if God is great and God is good as we used to pray as kids, then why does bad things happen to good people? In fact, it leads us to a series of questions that we raise today, like, why do innocent people suffer? God, if you're all-powerful, if you are truly loving, if you do truly love us, as we just sang, and you love the world, for God so loves the world— and you're all powerful that you can do something, why do innocent people suffer? Why do good people end up in car crashes and plane crashes? Why does child abuse happen? Why are there starving babies in underdeveloped country? And then we get personal. Why did my dad get cancer? There wasn't a better guy around Or why did my best friend die at 17? Why did my spouse leave me? Explain the Holocaust, pastor. 
Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do blessings come to bad people? It shouldn't be like that. And why does bad things happen to good people? If you have those questions today, first of all, you're not alone. And you're not the first one to ever ask questions like that. These questions have been asked for thousands of years. In fact, all the way back in ancient days, 3,000 years ago, during the time of the prophets, they raised this question. One prophet that's known as one of the minor prophets we call in the Old Testament, although he was a major character, was Habakkuk. I'm going to read a cry out to God from him. And by the way, if you're pregnant looking to name your firstborn son and you can't find a name, there's a name for you. Habakkuk chapter one, verses two to four. He cried out this way. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. That was his cry 3,000 years ago. It seems like things haven't changed that much over the last several years, right? And so what he's saying is we don't understand. How about some divine justice? Where you at, God? Wake up and smell the Starbucks. We're hurting down here. If we ran the world, things would be a little bit different. I heard a news report about a woman from the country of Czechoslovakia named Zerma Zermak, Vera Zermak, sorry. Vera Zermak. She was so upset. She was so distraught. She had discovered that her husband had been cheating on her. He'd been having an affair for some time. She didn't want to live anymore. She decided to do one of two things. She decided she's either going to kill him or kill herself. And because she couldn't live with herself and killing another person, she decided to take her own life. She lived on the third story of her apartment. And one afternoon, she decided to end it all. She was just going to close her eyes and she was going to jump. And so that's what she decided to do. It was late in the afternoon. She just closed her eyes and she jumped, but she didn't die. In fact, her landing was softened. She landed on a person. It just happened to be her husband who was coming home from work and he died. (laughs) And you say, well, that's the way it ought to be. Bad people are the ones who should be struck by lightning or struck by a flying Czechoslovakian woman or something like that. If I ran the world, if I ran the world, good dads would never have heart problems. Hard workers would be always the one to get the best paying jobs. Good parents who want children would be the ones who had children. Good kids would never wreck their bike and scrape their knee. For every raindrop that would fall, a flower would bloom. If I ran the world. Did you ever ask the question, God, 
since you created the world, why didn't you create a world with no suffering that was good, a world with no pain? And then we pause for a minute and we hear the text, the Bible, speaking to us from Genesis. You did. Huh? You did. God created the world and said it was good. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is not the author of pain, that God is not the author of evil. But we also see in the Genesis account that God is the author of something called free will, of choice, of the ability to love. And it's because of free will that we find a fallen world. Enter the cross. And so I want to take you to a place that provides a little light regarding suffering. It doesn't provide all the answers that we may raise, but through the lens of the cross, we have a deeper understanding of who God is in this whole issue of the fairness of God. It reveals that we live in a toxic world, an unfair world. One author said, if you ask me to write a book on why bad things happen to good people, I can do it in two words. They don't. Because the Bible says that we're not as good as what we think that we are. The cross reveals that there's something inside of each of us called sin, which literally means to miss the perfect will of God, to miss the mark of God. And so some of the things that I receive, I deserve. Not the punishment of God, but the consequences for my behavior and the choices that I have made. The prophet Hosea in chapter 8, verse 7, said, they sow to the wind and they reap the whirlwind. We reap what we sow. The truth is, gang, you sleep around, you get diseases. You smoke all your life, your lungs get shot. Drink too much, your liver dies. Lie all the time, relationships crumble. Spend money out of control, financial disaster comes upon your house. See, some of the bad things that happen to good people are because good people making bad choices. And you can blame God if you want to, but if you're going to blame God for anything, it ought to be the fact that he gave you free will to make decisions. God gave me a hand. And with this hand and anger, I can pick up a gun and I can take someone's life. Or I can take this hand and I can hit someone and hurt someone. Or I can take this same hand, it's my choice, and I can take food and feed someone that's hungry. The choice is mine. God gave me a mind. 
And with this mind, I can make the choice to cloud it with alcohol or pot and numb the reality of life for escape. Or I can deal with life head on and I can use this mind to expand it, to study, to find the cure to cancer. The choice is mine. And we have choices every single day. Every time I sit down for a meal, I'm making a choice. Sometimes I make better choices than others. But later on, I can't blame God if I've made poor choices in my diet every day and wonder why I have health issues because of the choices that I've made. So some suffering Some hurt, some evil in life are direct consequences. God still loves us, but that doesn't mean we don't deal with the consequences, the fallout of behavior or even previous behavior. Now, that leads us to the next point. Some suffering, however, is not based upon our own choices. Some suffering, much suffering, I would say, is beyond our control. Suffering is not the result of what we've personally done. Sometimes suffering is just the result of a spiritual, broken, toxic world. See, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see it was good, but then we find Genesis chapter 3, which is called in theological circles, the fall, where sin entered the world. And I like this little saying, the fall affects us all. The fall affects us all. All of our collective sins have made this a toxic place. Our collective rebellion. And often now innocent people get put in the fallout of this world that's broken. Cliff Mitchell goes around and lectures on university campuses and he was talking about suffering. And one University of North Carolina student cried out and said in a challenging way, where's God in Ethiopia? Where's God in the midst of starving baby? Doesn't God care? Here's what he said. How can you blame God for starving babies in Ethiopia when ships full of food, sit in the harbors because of the evil government. When the best-selling books in the United States are on dieting, it's not God's fault that people are starving today. The earth produces enough food to give every person 3,000 calories a day. The problem is that some of us hoard for ourselves. It's a cop-out to blame God for human irresponsibility. If a person gets drunk and drives his car across the center line and sends your friend to an early grave, will you blame God? Do you blame God for Hitler's six million murders? That would be escapism. The vast majority of human suffering is a direct result of human irresponsibility. The fall has tainted us all and we're all living in this toxic world together. Now, I like what the scripture says here in the New Testament. All a creation groans. Can you feel the weight of that? For this world to be made right again. And we're called as ambassadors of Christ to be part of the solution. We are called to not simply 
look for a, a better time, but we are called to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to bring that end of suffering. We are called to be peaceful. That's our job to do. But over the past 2,000 years since Jesus, the church has been on earth and we're, we're not gonna be able to, to work our, our way into paradise, friends. This world is broken and will only be made right with a new heaven and a new earth. There are many questions that we don't understand, but we know that there is something coming that's better. I have a little saying that helps me that I hope it'll help you. In times I don't understand, I cling to the things I do understand. And that helps me get through the times I don't understand. There are many questions. People may have them after this service. Why is this happening? I don't know. And so what I do is I, I cling to the things I do understand, that I'm loved by God, that Jesus died for me, that there is hope. The resurrection is real. And the promise of resurrection for my life is true. Paul gives some of this promise in Romans chapter 8, verses 17 through 21. Listen to the message. He talks about the future hope that we cling to in the midst of a broken, hard time. He says this, and we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Yes, we live in a toxic world, but we know that there's a better day coming. The truth is that we're not alone. We cling to the things we do understand. We cling to Jesus. And that brings me to my final point, which is Jesus. Jesus understands because he suffered too. We don't gather here to serve a distant deity. We gather in the name of Jesus, in the name of a suffering God. For on the cross, Jesus felt pain. Jesus not only suffered physically, but he took on our pain. He took on our shame. He understands. As the prophet Isaiah reminds us, it's by his stripes we are healed. And so in good times 
I'm going to praise him. In bad times, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to trust him because I know that he understands and he is with me. Today, as we gather here, not only do we lean on Christ, but we lean on one another. One of the blessings of being part of the Christian fellowship is that we do this life not alone. <laughs> we come together, not simply to hear a sermon or hear music, but we come as the church, sisters and brothers, to, to lean on one another. And I want to encourage you today to know that you have friends who want to walk with you and journey with you through life. If you're worshiping online today, I want to encourage you to reach out to John online or our online host today. And whatever you're going through, I want you to perhaps reach out and ask for prayer today. Here in this service today, perhaps you are feeling overwhelmed you are going through some things that are beyond your control. I prayed with seven or eight people after the last service today. I want to invite you today to come and to have prayer together. I've invited our team to come today and be part of this service. Some of our prayer team, maybe our pastors as well, to come. Perhaps you would like prayer I want to invite you as we close this service today to come forward. Don't hesitate. Whatever burden that you have, you can leave it here. Perhaps like others, you are carrying a burden for a loved one today and you want to intercede for that person. And I want to invite you today to come on their behalf and offer prayer. No greater place, no greater place we can be and be with our sisters and brothers in the Lord. So I invite you to stand, if able. And let me pray for you, and then we'll have a moment of prayer together. Lord, I thank you and praise you that you're not a distant deity. In times we don't understand, we look to the things we do understand, which is your love, the hope that you give us. We realize that we live in a broken world, but this is not the end of the story that as all creation groans, we as creation long, we groan for your touch and your presence. So reveal yourself to us today. We pray for a breakthrough in our situation today, for healing, for new life, for purpose and hope. Set your captives free today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.